Luke chapter number 2. I'd like for you to come all the way to verse number 41, please. And I realize it's a time where we talk about the birth of Christ. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago and about the wise men that came there. We also talked about the shepherds. Uh, And today, I want to draw your attention to a different portion of Scripture. And this is going to be 12 years after His birth. Not much said after you hear two years into his birth or so, the wise men come to visit. And then after that, you don't hear much of anything. And people try to speculate and fill in what they think occurred. But not much said in the scriptures about what occurred until this particular thing here. But I want to ask you this question as I read these passages. Have you forgotten someone at this time of the year? I remember years ago I was... They were giving out a thing at a particular church where I was and they made this laundry list of all the people on the list and grandma and grandma and papa, grandma and granddaddy and papa and nana and, and uh, mimis and this and that and the other and brothers and sisters and so on and so forth and your bosses and this and that and the other. And in the background, kind of like a watermark, there's a, a picture of Jesus that's back there hanging on Calvary and the guy's got his hand up here, he's postulating, he's thinking, he looks like the thinker, the statue, the thinker. He's got his, in in the bubble over his head said, "I, I feel like I've forgotten someone. I feel like I've forgotten someone. It's real easy at this time of the year to forget the reason for this time of year. But more than that, in our own personal lives, sometimes we get so caught up in the things we're doing, not just at this time of the year, that we've forgotten something, we've lost our axe head. And I wonder if we lost the coin or we lost the sheep or we lost the son, if we would even recognize like Samson, that we us not that even the spirit had departed from us because we think it's just going to continue. It always has. Verse 41, we'll uh, read and then pray and have a seat there. The Bible said, Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. And when they had fulfilled the days, as they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother knew not of it. And they, supposing him uh, have been in the company, went a day's journey, and they sought him among the kinfolk and acquaintances, and when they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem, seeking him. And came to pass, after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking some questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And he said unto them, How is it that you sought me? Wist not that I must be about my father's business? Notice he divorces himself from Joseph isn't my father. I'm about my father's business. And then he says this in verse number uh, four, uh, 50, and they understood not the saying that he spake unto them. Brother Larry, pray, would you please, and ask the Lord to help us. Oh Lord, thank you for another opportunity to pray. Thank you for the opportunity to be in, in this house with these believers, this congregation, this setting, this meeting of this morning. Uh, thank you, Lord. We have to thank you, Lord, for even uh, the safety in arriving. We ask now, uh, Lord, that you might use this man, this preacher, Brother Peacock, in a mighty way. I pray, God, that uh, a surrendering might take place, God, first of, first of all, ourselves, Lord, to the message, to what you have to say to us, God, that we may be pliable in your hands, that our hands... Uh, our hearts might be open to the fact, God, that we can receive the word, that things might be put aside for a while. The things of the season or the things of an hour ago or the hour upcoming. God, that we might hear the word. I pray most of all, Lord, your might and your power might be on these words as he speaks them. I thank you for him, God. I thank you for giving us a preacher to preach to us. I thank you most of all for the word of God. Thank you for the Holy Spirit of God that lies within us, stays within us, lives in this this fleshly tabernacle of God that we're able to hear the Word of God. 
I thank you for who you are in our lives. I thank you for the steps we've made with you and the forthcoming steps that we'll make with you. We pray for your soon returning. We pray for those that are not able to be here this morning. And we pray for all you're going to do for us in this day. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. 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 Thank you. You can be seated. Let me say at the onset that there are a couple of things that bear mentioning that need to be mentioned and if nothing else very well known to make sure that you clearly understand that as I'm going to try to develop this for you that I believe 100% in eternal security. I believe not in a Baptist doctrine but a Bible doctrine of once saved always saved. I don't believe that just because you're saved it means you're always going to act right. I don't believe your salvation is based on how you act. I believe your salvation is based on what He did. And so if you'll understand that as I try to develop this, when I talk about missing something, you won't think that I'm questioning your salvation. I'm not trying to retread you. I'd want you to make sure that you're saved. How do you get saved? Listen, the Lord made it simple for you. He already put it inside you to understand clearly that in your mind you have to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you have to understand in your heart that God hath raised Him from the dead. And if you confess with your mouth, Jesus Christ saves you instantaneously. It doesn't necessarily mean that there will all of a sudden be all these massive changes that everybody talks about. As a matter of fact, the later you are in life when you get saved, the less likely there is to be and see a noticeable change immediately. Sometimes those old habits take a long time to Amen. get rid of. Amen. But the inner man gets changed, which nobody can see. I can't imagine, I can just pull on a little bit of my previous experience. I, I can't imagine what it would be like the horror of having a child snatched from you. I can't imagine in some of the cases that I know about, some of the things I know about where kids have been kidnapped, not just because of a marital situation or a child custody thing, but literally by the botched individuals who seek to do horrible, ungodly things. As a matter of fact, if you study statistically uh, the FBI statistics right now, there's a huge increase in child trafficking. And it's for the purposes, of, uh, for the wrong purposes. I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at that. To suffice it to say that those kids are snatched and not missing. I would dare say that if you were at a mall or you were at a restaurant and, and those kind of things, and all of a sudden the kid didn't come back, I bet you you'd probably get a little jacked up, a little scared, a little bit nervous. Uh, I mean, this stuff of, you know, go grab a microphone in Walmart and say, hey, where's the kid at kind of a deal, that resonates with me. I'm not going to be like, hey, I hope somebody doesn't get offended by this. No, my kid got away from me and I want to know where they are. I, I think there would be some, some sort of a panic. I remember that not far from here, as a matter of fact, uh, this has been a number of years ago, there was a young lady here that was missing a little girl that was missing for a long time. And uh, they looked and looked and looked and looked and looked. It literally is within just a few blocks of here. And they found her underneath the killer's uh, waterbed mattress. And he had taken her. Mom and dad didn't wait a long time to put out the, hey, we got a problem. Now that ended badly, but I want to say this to you. I want you to recognize that Mary and Joseph went a whole day's journey before they even recognized that the Lord was gone. But before you throw stones at them, could I say this to you, ladies and gentlemen, can I make it that many of us have had the Lord not be with us for a long period of time, a lot longer than a day. But I'm trying to use the illustration to realize that Mary and Joseph are the, those that are closest to him. That's mom there. And he's not the father, but he is playing the role of the dad here. And they've been with this kid now for 12 years. And all of a sudden, the kid is no longer there. And they don't even recognize that. They go an entire day's journey before it's kind of like, hey, you know what? Where's Jesus at? I wonder if we, do, as we begin to develop the story here, that we would recognize for just a few moments that those that are closest to him are the most prone to losing him. Sometimes we consider ourselves, because we're Bible believers, we think, oh, well, that never happened to me. We kind of take it for granted, right? Because in the passage, you know what they said? Uh, they just assumed he would always be there. Look at it. You can pick it right up in the verse right there. They fulfilled the days. Jesus tarried behind. And verse number 44, they supposing to have been in the company. Oftentimes we think that Jesus is always going to be with us. Can I say this? Of all the people that I would think would lose Jesus, I don't think it would be his parents. 
Of all the people that I think would lose Jesus or lose their fellowship with Jesus, I wouldn't put preachers at the top of the list. Nonetheless, there's some preachers in the Bible that definitely lost the Lord along the way and their fellowship with the Lord along the way. The list is pretty much endless. Elijah's lost him sitting under a juniper tree. You know what he said? It's enough, Lord, just let me die. Do you realize that even though he's as close to him, listen, he has been fed by him for three and a half years and then gone up there and had that meeting up there on the top of Mount Carmel after that great miracle that was done in that short a period of time. You know what he says? Lord, I'm the only one standing for you and I'm the only one doing anything for you. It's enough. Just let me die. I'm out of here. I quit. Most unlikely people, Mary and Joseph to miss Jesus, most unlikely people, preachers or evangelists or missionaries, people that are involved in the ministry, don't pause long enough to recognize you can be running on the mundane, the routine, the everyday stuff and not even realize that even though you're busy, just being busy doesn't mean you're spiritual and it doesn't mean you're plugged into Jesus. In Revelation chapter number 2, you read about the church at Ephesus. And if you were to ever read about a church that you would consider to be successful, you would put Ephesus at the top of the list. They're so busy, they're meeting themselves, coming and going. They got everything going on. They got doctrine right and rightly dividing right and apostles that are being tried and, and disciples being taken care of. All that stuff is going on there. And the Lord steps in and says, boy, it sure looks good on the outside, but you lost something along the way. Something got dropped along the way. What I have somewhat against thee, he says. What do you have against me, Lord? You have left your first love. You lost him. You didn't lose your salvation. You just got so busy being busy that you didn't even recognize that you are now simply operating in the routine duty without the plug in the wall. You're pushing the vacuum cleaner and boy are you busy and working up a sweat and man you're getting everything done that needs to be done and you don't even realize nothing's getting pulled up in the vacuum cleaner because the plug is out of the wall. You remember the boy over there in Kings, he's uh, chopping down some trees and a great motive, a great reason to do it. The place has gotten too small. It's too straight for them. They can't all fit in there. Uh, they're in a building program. And they're going to town and he wants to be involved and he's excited about being involved and so excited because he doesn't have the tools necessary to do what needs to be done. He borrows an axe and he goes out and before he even checks anything, he starts chopping away at the wood and unbeknownst to him, the axe head has worked itself loose and then one more blow and the axe head falls off and goes out into the middle of the Jordan River and he lost something. I wonder sometimes, ladies and gentlemen, if we don't pause and wonder that we would think, oh, certainly not me. I would never do that. Can I say this? Church members are prone to leave the God they love. Church members are prone to be the ones that can lose their fellowship with Jesus. You say, why? Because we don't think it could ever happen to us. Independent, Bible-believing, King James only, rightly dividing, street preaching, a fire-breathing, hell-hating, heaven-loving. Those individuals are prone to all of a sudden think, you know what? I lost Jesus. Guess what? The first thing I'll do is I'll just check with my family. It's funny where people go when they lose Jesus. <laughs> It's funny what they choose to do when they start looking for them to realize the relationship with the Lord is gone. A lot of people, do you know what they do? They figure, well, he's in the crowd. And then all of a sudden they look and find out he's not. The Bible said they looked for a day. You realize it took them longer to get back than it took them to leave. Oftentimes, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to say to you this morning, the church members don't realize that the passages in the Bible that warn us about departure are written to save people. He said, the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but heap to themselves teachers after their own lust, having itching ears, and be turned away from the truth and turned unto fables. And the other passage in 1 Timothy 4, he said, preach though, I mean, in 1 Timothy chapter 4, he said, the time will come there in that passage where they heed, give heed to doctrines of devils. And many, the Bible says, depart. Galatians chapter number five says, who did hinder you? Who caused you to get out of the way? Sometimes I think it's our complacency. Sometimes I think it's our carelessness. Sometimes I think it's because we don't check it because it's just always been there. We're very much like Mary and Joseph and we're kind of like, well, we just assumed he would be there with us. He always has been. But when was the last time you checked? 
How many of us would fall at this time of the year into that same mindset of the guy in the cartoon who's making out his list going, have I forgotten someone? Yeah, have you forgotten Jesus? I mean, we're so interested in making sure we're giving everybody else a gift, we have now neglected the greatest gift ever given to us. And that's the gift of Jesus Christ. I'd like to say, if I could please, secondly, it's a strange place where they lost him. They lost him in church. Look in the passage. The Bible says that in verse number 42, they went up to where? Jerusalem. Wow, that's the Mecca. I mean, that's the, the top place. They're in the temple. They lost him there. You say, preacher, why do you bring that up? Listen, they, in the, in the Bible-believing capital of the world, I guess you might say, in the greatest place it could ever be, they lost him in the church. Now, I'd like to say thank God for their faithfulness to be in church, but it's a good place to lose him. And there are a lot of people that come to church and what they think is, is they listen to the preaching, they listen to the teaching, and then before long, something winds up working its way between them and the Lord. And even though they're sitting in the church, they're missing something. They forgot someone. They forgot the real reason why they were here. I wish I could preserve that when I got saved, I was so excited about being saved. I, I'm not so brash as to say, if I'd have known about Christians what I know about Christians, I wouldn't have got saved. I'd have still got saved. I don't want to burn. I realize Christians can be real difficult. I understand that. But here's the problem where Christians can get in the way. When those Christians become such hemorrhoids in your life that all they do is distract you and get all of your attention because they burn and itch until you pay attention to them and you're the only one they're irritating. And before long, guess who's no longer being paid attention to? Said that doesn't happen. Sure it does. Right in church. People get between you and Jesus. People get between you and what God originally called you to do. Were you not enamored when they're up there, fall on your knees and, and singing up here? Did that not take you back for just a few moments to think to yourself, wow, that is a holy God they're singing about. That is an amazing song they're singing about. Did you not for just a minute allow your vision to kind of get narrowed down and see yourself in front of the throne and it's just you and the Lord there? Or are you still looking at what everybody, oh, look at them. They're not saying amen. Look at them. They're not waving their hand. Look at them. They're not. What difference does it make? You say, why? Because sometimes, guess what happens? Right in the very place where we should be able to find him, we wind up losing him. Who would ever think you could lose Jesus in a church house? Yet the Bible says in Laodicea that Jesus Christ winds up in Revelation chapter number 3. He says, behold, I stand at the door and what? Knock. Why? Because he's outside the door. But too often we think that we got a lock on it just because we're in a Bible-believing church. And sometimes because we got a King James Bible. Some of you will get those for Christmas. Somebody will see fit to give you a, a, a Bible this year for Christmas. And that Bible will become very, very special to you. And you'll have notes and things in it. And you'll think, well, as long as I'm going to the church, everything's going to be fine. Can I say this to you, ladies and gentlemen? You can go, but if you don't participate, if you don't jump in the pool... Where you go is not going to make a difference. That's right. Amen. You can come and listen to the sound of my voice or somebody else that's a great preacher and they can lay everything out there is to lay out about salvation. But unless you believe, it doesn't do you any good whatsoever. Right. You have to stay after it. I'd like to say, first of all, the closest to him. Second of all, the place where they lost him was the most unlikely place to be lost. <laughs> Who would ever think you could lose Jesus and still be in church? Some of you are today are here at Christmas time and thank God for you and I appreciate it. But your focus is somewhere other than him. And sometimes what can wind up happening is it's almost to hear some of you talk. It's almost as if you wish certain people weren't here to get what you got. As if it's just special for just you. The gospel and the preaching and the teaching of the Bible should be something that we want everybody to get. Amen. We should not be selective when it comes to that and pick and choose who we think should be saved or who we think should be in church or who we think should be in ministry or who we think... Listen, He picks the team. We don't. Amen. He comes to you and gives you the opportunity by free will to choose Him, but He presents Himself. He gave you all the tools, but if you don't activate those tools, if you don't go ahead and sign on the dotted line, you'll be lost and you'll wind up in hell. But can I say this to you, ladies and gentlemen, of all the people that shouldn't have lost them, it should have been His parents. 
of all the places they shouldn't have lost them, it shouldn't have been church. Can I ask you before I get past the first two with the other ten coming to follow, can I ask you this question on those first two points? Is there any reason why a Bible believer should lose him? But you've lost him. Is there any reason that you should have lost him in church? But some of you have. You say, how do you know? Well, you must not think that he's here because some of you are ready to walk out the door. Some of you are ready to quit church. The very place where you found him, you wouldn't think at all you could lose him there. Yep, you're willing to leave him there while you go. You think you're going to take him with you somewhere else? No, he stayed at the church. I'd like to say this. I think it's important for you to forsake not to assemble yourselves together even more so such as you see the day approaching. I'm still churchy. I'm still old time. I'm still old fashioned. I'm not interested in getting contemporary and compromising to try to get people. I want to make sure Jesus wants to stay here. The Bible said when they finished what they were doing, they all left. Where'd Jesus stay? He stayed at the church. Oh, preacher, you're kind of stretching it. You believe whatever you want to believe it. More times than not, God's spoken to me through a message in a church service, in a church building. More times than not, God has spoken to me at an altar, in a church, in a church building. Does that mean that without exception? No. There's exceptions to the rule, but the rule is, more times than not, God has used preachers in a pulpit, in a church, in a church setting to speak to me and change my life. Change my direction. You say, why? The Lord died for the church. Oh, does that mean He doesn't talk to me at my office or under my desk? Does that mean He doesn't speak to me on an airplane or in a car? No, that doesn't mean that. It means the majority of times, if I'm looking for the Lord, I'm looking for a church service. I don't mind going out of my way to go to a church service because why? I got a serious decision to make and for me, personally, that's where God's, when the donkey talks, I'm listening. I'm not going to keep beating on the donkey. I'm just like, okay, well, whatever you say, why? Well, because, ladies and gentlemen, all we can do is preach and teach. But if there's no longer acceptance to it, you know what will happen? If you don't accept it, you can wind up walking out and not even knowing he's not with you. That happened to Samson. How'd they lose him? Verse number 42, they just got busy. They got in such a hurry to leave to pack up their stuff. They've done what they were supposed to do. The end of the, the ceremonies, the end of the rituals, all the stuff is over with. Hey, it's time to go. We've been here. We've been faithful to come. We've done what we're supposed to do. Let's get back to the house. We've got places to go and people to see and things to do. Let's roll. we got to go. You might want to pause just a minute and make sure you not just have your stuff, not just have your substance. But do you have the people you're supposed to have with you? There's a 12-year-old boy missing. This is so important to the Lord through the Holy Spirit of all the things He could pen about Jesus. You haven't heard from Him since He was about two years of age. And then all of a sudden, about 18 years prior to Him ministry starting, the Lord inserts this and says, Hey, y'all need to pay attention here because they've now gotten accustomed to Him being around. Hey, did you forget that's the one that the angels came and sang? Did you forget that the angel appeared to Mary and told her she was going to have a baby and supernaturally a virgin birth occurred? Did you forget that all of a sudden they were preserved and you were too when Herod was going and killing babies and preserved you down there with the gold and the frankincense and the myrrh down there in Egypt and kept you safe until after Herod died and then directed yourself. Hey, have you forgotten the Ebenezer stones in your life that all of a sudden it's just become the same thing all the time, preaching and praying and singing and preaching and praying and singing? Have you forgotten what all he has already done for you? Yeah, we're going to the temple. Do the same stuff we've always done. What do we got to do? I, I did it. I checked it off my list. It's off my day timer. I'm, I'm done. I got to go now. I'm recently seeing a movement among Bible believers. I'm not sure what the age is, but there's this mentality of us. I've been doing this a long time now, and it's time for me to retire. You've been doing what? You're, you're not performing a task, and there is no retirement till death. You're doing what you can. Yes. It's not like I've hit this age, let somebody else do it. No, you know what it is? You got the Simeon over there, you know what he says? Lord, could you do me a favor and leave me around long enough, no matter how old I get, so I could see the baby Jesus? Yeah. And he waits for the baby to be born and then takes him in there and he said, okay, I can die now. You say, what are you? he wasn't looking for a way to get out. Yeah. If Moses had got out, he'd have quit at 80. 
At 80, his ministry really began and ran 40 more years. This mentality is, I've done my service. What does that mean? There's not a repercussion or something reciprocal of what it is that he's done for you. Okay, well, I filled the cup back up. We're good. I'm indebted to him for all eternity. Amen. His blood is eternal blood. That's God's blood. Acts chapter 20, verse 28. And therefore, I have an eternal commitment to that. I'm not trying to pay anybody back. The very idea. Look, I realize when I start babbling and I start repeating myself and I'm past the things that I'm supposed to do, I need to sit down. I understand there comes a time for those kind of things, but I hope when that time comes, I'll still be sitting on a pew reading the Bible and listening to somebody else preach it. Where is it I've, I've done what I'm supposed... Where, where, where is that in the Bible? Like, like you're doing something, like you're doing God a favor. Okay, time for me to retire. It's kind of like, Lord, I can't believe you still let me do something. Can you use me? Can you still use me? No, I've already done all that stuff. Done all what stuff? I don't, I don't grasp that mentality. What kind of an attitude is that to pass on to the young kids behind you? Hey, after you serve for a while, you know, you didn't put in 20 years, you can go ahead and step out. I never got into this except the retirement plan is out of this world, but I never got into this for, for the retirement plan. Okay, I did my 30 years, I'm out. This isn't secular. This is spiritual. First of all, the most unlikely people lost him, the ones that were closest to him. Second of all, they lost him in a most unlikely place. Why did they lose him? Because they got too busy. In verse number 44, they took him for granted. Can I say this? When they lost him, they looked in the wrong place. They looked to their kinfolk and they looked to their friends. Then that's what it says? They, they assumed he was with the people, so they checked them and then they checked the acquaintances and guess what? He wasn't there. Well, wait a minute. You're, you're looking in the wrong place. Well, preacher, wouldn't that be normal? No, what would be normal is, is what would you do if you were shopping somewhere or you were at the grocery store and all of a sudden you turned around and your kid was gone? You would pick up the phone and say, hey, mama, you seen, you're going to call your, you know what you're going to do? You're going to go over there and stop everybody walking out the door and you're going to start checking when people come through there one at a time. I mean, you're going to be like a, a fish trap, man. You're going to have a little choke point there and you're going to check everything and everybody coming in there and you're suspicious of everybody. You don't go look into other people to try to find Jesus. You say what? They'll give you a perverted view of it. Amen. You know what generally happens too with people? The first thing they're going to ask you is this, if it's in the South. If you lost your kid and you went to your family and you said, hey, where's John? And they'd be like, how did you lose him? Why did you lose him? Were you not looking out for him? Who in the cat hair would allow a child to live with you if you can't keep up with a child? Don't you know that's living breathing? They wind up getting tied up there with, hey, I, I'm just needing to know, have you seen him, okay? Not give me the fifth degree. That's the wrong place to go when you lost the Lord. You say what? According to 1 John 1, 7, 8, 9, you got an opportunity to come right back into the throne room and say, Lord, along the way here, I've let something get between me and you. I'm looking for you. Help me. Find you. I need a touch is what we used to call it in the old days. I need to get hooked up. I need to be a hooked up cow. Put me back in the yoke. I done kicked out of the traces. Lord, let me back in there. You need to be seeking him. You don't need to be seeking what other people think about how you might have lost him. They're going to give you a commentary four miles long as to why they think you lost him in the first place. Hey, shortest distance between two points is a straight line. Why don't you go straight into the room and say, hey, I lost you. I was wrong. I misplaced you. I want to get back. You'd be surprised how quick he'll come back. You'd be surprised how all of a sudden he'll say, well, you ran into this, you ran into that. You'd be surprised how quick he is not to chastise you. You know what he say? Thank you for recognizing that I'm gone. Some of you, man, your tank is banging so empty, man, and you're just so dried up and dead, and all you're doing is just kind of going through the motions. I call you 10-man Christians. I'm not going to preach about flying monkeys this morning, but I see them pretty much on Sundays. But a lot of times I see the 10-man. And what is a 10-man? He just operates. He squeaks when he walks. He walks like a robot. I'm not about to try to do that. But you know what about the 10-man? He doesn't have a heart. 
He's hard. He's harsh. He can't move with any fluidity. There's nothing soft about him. It's just hard and hard. No heart. The first thing that happens is, is before long as a Christian, you don't even realize you're saved, sealed to the day of redemption, but you're not plugged into the source anymore. Can I say they not only got too busy and gotten too, uh, I took him for granted, but can I say this to you? They also got in too big a hurry. Once you get ready to get back, you know what you have to be willing to do? I need to go back to where it was I lost him. Here's a hard thing for you, ladies and gentlemen. It takes longer to get back than it did to leave. There is a price to pay for stepping off the train at the wrong place. I wish I could tell you the positive side of that. I'm telling you, he immediately will reignite things. He'll reconnect things. But you know what? It may take you a little while to get back to where you were. And can I say this also? I don't know what the amount of things is that you missed along the way, what the amount of things are that you missed along the way. But can I say this to you, ladies and gentlemen? You're missing some things he wanted you to have because you just decided to make a choice. He didn't unplug from you. You unplugged from him. You see how that happened. You kept getting out there and kept getting out there and kept getting out there until all of a sudden the plug came out of the wall. Don't tell me he didn't warn you. Preacher, it never happened to me. You take it for granted. Uh, well, preacher, I'm the closest to him. Nobody can be any closer than I am. We're connected by souls. I mean, in the New Testament, I'm saved and washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, sealed of the day of redemption. I got him living inside me. Yeah, of all the people, you wouldn't think you could lose him, but some of you have. Some of you, you're going through the motions of having Christmas now and you're doing all the stuff you're supposed to do, but you're kind of empty on the inside. And you're in the church and you believe the King James Bible rightly divided and those kind of things. I mean, you'd be astonished if Jesus was there. When was the last time when you got ready to leave the church you checked to see if the Lord was going with you? We've had people go out of the church before and go and do some questionable things on a Sunday afternoon right after leaving church. But they just assume Jesus is right there with them. Doing the things they're doing they know better than to do. Well, you, He may be sealed inside you, but I can tell you right now, He's not amen in what it is you're doing. Did you check and see? No, I just went there. I knew I needed to go to church. What, to clear your conscience so you wouldn't feel bad at what you're doing? That's called presumptuous sin. You know what you were going to do. So what happened? You lost him in the most unlikely place. You know what happens oftentimes is preachers wind up losing Jesus in the most unlikely place. You say, well, they start preaching politics and popularities and prejudices instead of preaching the Bible. They lost Jesus. You know what I know you need? You don't need an answer to who to vote for. You don't need prosperity and popularity. You don't need to know about whatever preferences are or prejudices are around or those kind of things. You know what I know? The only thing I can give you that will keep you coming is to give you Jesus. Amen. That's all I know to do. You say, what you need to do and you need to do. Oh, I've read the books. I've read the, I know what the books say. But I know this. I know the stuff doesn't last. It's a temporary at best fix. And you know what I know? That stuff won't hold you together when you've lost a loved one or when you're going through a divorce or when you've got some of the things going on in your personal lives. That stuff ain't going to help you at all. You've got to have Jesus. It's terrible, though, for one of those things to happen and all of a sudden you realize He's not there. Isn't that terrible? You ever been there before? You ever have something happen to you and you get down and say, Lord, uh, I need some help here. And the Lord said... Um, <clears throat> You want to come back over here where you left? But now, Lord, I mean, you know, you, you, you say I can come around on up there into the room and all that kind of... Yeah, I know. We need to talk about it. But Lord, I need an answer with this. I, I tell you what, if you'll answer me with this right now, uh, we'll get to that a little bit later on. The Lord said, no, I'm not going to do things out of order. You left me. You've got to be willing to come back where you left him. Isn't that what they did? Yes. They went right back to the very place where they lost him. Yes. Isn't that really, in all honesty, isn't that really the most common sense place to go Amen. is back to the last time you saw him. Oh, preacher, you're teaching retreat. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm saying that when you got out of fellowship with the Lord, you know what the Lord did? He stopped right there and you went on out. The most common place, the most common sense place to go is back to where you lost him again to go back over there and say, okay, Lord, I was wrong. I took a wrong turn. I'm back now. 
and then to pick up the trail with him again. You ever lose your car keys? You probably don't lose them. I guess nowadays they have GPS systems on them or something or another, I guess. I don't know. But you, you lose your, lay your car keys down. I mean, I put a little nail thing on the back of my door. When I come in, I hang them there. And I do that for a reason, ladies and gentlemen. The reason I do that is, is because I'm prone to lay them down in a different place every time I turn around. If I lose my keys, you know what the first thing I do? I don't check my pockets. The first thing I do is go back to the last place I got them, and it's on that hanging by the door. I don't care what you do with your car keys. The illustration is, is that I know when I get out of fellowship, I know where I left him. I left him right here. I'm coming back right here. You know what I know on the way back? It's like the prodigal coming home. I love the story of the prodigal. You say, why? Oh, my name's on it. You didn't know that? That's double P right there. Prodigal peacock. That's what he is. He's the bird with the word that got broke down, man. He can't even fly. And he's hobbling his way back in there. You know what that father knew? When he saw that boy's little old miserable frame come across the horizon there and step moving toward that thing, disheveled and broken down and busted by the sin of the world and by making a mess of that inheritance. And he's limping back there. His shirt's torn to pieces. His britches are all torn up. He doesn't have any shoes on. He smells like hog dewy. And he's walking back up there. And that father knows good and well that between him and that boy right there is a whole lot of obstacles. And they're doing everything they can to turn him back to the pig pen. You know what I've learned about Christians? I've learned about Christians that have lost their fellowship with Jesus Christ, which is what we're trying to talk about. I've learned that when they try to find their way back, you know what I've learned? I've learned there's all kind of obstacles on the way back. And people that are supposed to help them get in the way of them coming back. He says uh, that a good man, the steps of the Lord, are order of a good man. He said he won't stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful. Isn't that what he said? What is it to stand in the way of sinners? Sinners trying to get to the Lord. Why would, you, why would you want to keep somebody from getting back to the Lord? The closer they are to the Lord, the better off it is for you. You get quiet right there. Why would you want to prevent that? I don't understand. That doesn't make sense to me. Well, I don't think that that... Well, okay, that's your, that's your choice. The closer they are to the Lord, sir, ma'am, the better, they are, better it is for you. Why would you do that? She wants to get stuff right with the Lord. That's better for me. Are you jealous of that? You're going to be jealous of the Lord? I mean, God forbid they get more right than you do. A little sarcasm there. Sorry, it's Christmas Eve. Got to be a little, a little kinder. I'll put a bow on it for you. You know what that prodigal father knew? That's why the Bible says he ran to meet him. You know why he ran to meet him? Because he knew if he didn't hurry when that boy started toward the house, he knew if he didn't hurry, I mean that elder brother would be out there stopping him. You tell me that elder brother, as soon as he found out about it, you say, how do you know that stuff, preacher? I read the passage. You know what happened in the passage when they find out they're having the party for him? The elder brother said, I ain't going in there. He should be having a party for me. I never left the house. Who does he have? The servant comes out and says, man, you should be happy. Your father's happy. The father even goes out there and says, why don't you come on out? You know what that old, that old man knew, that old prodigal father? He knew if I don't go out there and get him, he's headed this way. If I don't go get him, that old elder brother will get him. Some well-meaning, well-to-do individual come up, man, you can't go back to the Father looking like that, man. You done spent all that. He's going to, all the preconceived notions of what's going to happen. You trust me and I'll tell you, you get ready to come back to Jesus. I don't care if it's today. You know what will happen? Something will come anyway. Well, what time is it? I got to roast in the oven. I got to get the turkey out. Oh, we got the kids coming in from out of town. I got this go. Yeah, something always more important than getting back to Jesus. I, you know, Jesus, he's always there supposing he was with them in the crowd. I, I, I'll get him later on. Right? I don't have time right now. I got so many things I got to get done. Preacher said we'd be out of here by noon. I didn't tell you what noon on what day. <laughs> but I'm trying to help you to see that prodigal father recognized, hey, when you get ready to come back, make no mistake, there are a lot of obstacles and it takes longer to get back than it does to leave. You can leave instantaneously, but that pathway back is a long, hard uphill road. And the cities of refuge found in the book of Joshua and also listed over in Numbers when they develop up those cities of refuge. You know what is one man's job to do? To keep the way clear all the time to make sure there's no stones and no sticks and no stumbling stones and no uh, tree branches or any trees that have fallen across the road. And that place is to be well marked so that when somebody needs to run at whatever time that is, no matter if it's midnight or no matter if it's midday, they can find that way and they're unimpended by getting there. 
unimpeded by getting there. Do you understand what I'm trying to say to you? I don't want to be that person. Somebody wants to get to Jesus. I don't want to be the one that said, well, I don't know, brother. I, don't, I, just, I mean, I, you know, I appreciate you want to, but I, I just, I don't know that I'd be, not me. Some of you, I don't know, you're, you're kind of like a doctor of theology. You feel like you and doctor everybody's theology. You know what? There's some things that you should leave to the Lord. Maybe they're messed up as a soup sandwich. Maybe you were too before you got so wise. But just because you know everything doesn't mean that you know the timing of when to use everything. Sometimes you can know things and you have to act like you don't know anything. You say, why? Sometimes the Lord says, answer a fool according to his folly. And the next verse he says, don't answer a fool according to his folly. You better have some sense. Some, he says, save having compassion. Others, you tell them about hellfire. Better be walking with the Lord. Can I say this to you? When you get ready to come back, can I just give you a warning to tell you that uh, once you become aware of your own spiritual condition, that sometimes the way back's a difficult one. Pick it up with me. We're going expositorily here. Uh, what were the results of what happened? Look in verses 46 to 50, and we'll try to hurry. Almost done. They had to search and seek him to find out where he was. They had to redirect their steps. I'm probably stretching this because I'm a pawpaw. I'm a grandpawpaw. They went through at least three days of unnecessary pain, agony, and uncertainty. They didn't have telephones and cell phones in those days. All they knew is they lost Jesus. And you've got to remember, they know that's the Son of God. They've been given the responsibility of taking care of Him. And they let Him out of their sight. And He's gone. Oh, well, they should have just trusted the Lord. Really? That would be the way you would handle that? That passage teaches you that you know what happened? They were worried about it. So much so that when they get there, you look down in the passage 47 or 48, you know what happens? This is typical of an individual when they've lost the Lord. It's somebody else's fault. Yeah. Doesn't she say to him, why'd you deal with us this way? Well, wait, whoa, wait a minute. Why did I deal with you this way? You're the one that left me. I didn't leave you. Why are you charging me? But you know what happens when you've lost him? The first step back oftentimes is, well, I might have lost him, but it's her fault. But it's his fault. But it's their fault. You know what the Lord said? Uh-uh. It's not my fault. You left. You should have known where to find me. I'm doing what God wants me to do. I'm about my father's business. You should have known the first place to look instead of getting jacked up and anxious and worried and pestered and bothered. You should have just come right back and go, oh, hey man, we messed up. We should have known. It's God's son. Where else would you expect to find him? It's inferred in the passage. It's not said, but I think they were offended Jesus is not following him like a puppy. He was more interested in the spiritual than he was the physical. And it bothered him because all of a sudden it harmed their reputation. They let their kid out of their sight. Say, you don't really see that in there. Well, how do you think they would feel? I mean, now it's written for all eternity. It's right there in Luke chapter number 2 and these passages, you know what happened? You're the ones that lost Jesus. I wonder if the Lord makes this big of a deal about it in the Bible. I wonder how it would be for Bible-believing Christians that at the judgment seat can be accused of the same thing. Oh, you can't go to hell. But I wonder if part of the terror of the Lord there is, is, you know, you went through life a long time without me helping you because you left me. And then rich and increased with good and have need of nothing. Know not that you're blind and naked and poor and miserable. I'd like to say this, they found him right where they lost him. But I'd also like to say that they were impressed with the fact that what was he doing when they found him? What he was called to do. Teaching and preaching the scholars and the doctors and the lawyers and all the other kind of people. Isn't it interesting that he's still there doing what he's supposed to do 
And they've already gone back to doing what they want to do. Can I ask you this morning, have you forgotten something? More importantly, have you forgotten someone? Because you're pursuing your career, you're pursuing a, 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 a spouse, a boyfriend, a girlfriend. You're pursuing your anger, your bitterness. You're pursuing, you can fill in the blank. You're in such a hurry to get to those things that all of a sudden you don't even realize you've unplugged from the wall. You say, what's Jesus doing? What he's always done. Helping those that want to be helped. Helping those that ask to be helped. Helping those that know that they have a need to be helped. That's what He's always done. That's where you'll find Him. You'll find Him around those people who are continuing to do what He wants them to do no matter what everybody else is doing. It's not a popularity contest. And Sometimes, guess what? That comes with persecution. They certainly persecuted Jesus. No, not at twelve. The persecution comes, look in the passage there from his mom, and I'm almost done. Son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. It's your fault we're sorrowing. Well, let's reverse that for just a second. If you hadn't have left me, you wouldn't be sorrowing. If you hadn't have left me, you wouldn't have had to spend your time looking for me. You wouldn't have to lick your calf twice. You wouldn't have to come back. You left me. It's like this. How many times have you heard somebody commits a crime, then they blame the police for putting them in jail? And then they want to say, like one fellow said to me one time, he actually filed a complaint on me and said that I was getting in the way of his income because I caught him inside a house with this lady's jewelry hanging out of its pockets and a couple of other things there. He had a bunch of stuff and he had a little, like a little knapsack thing. He had poured all the stuff in there and he was in the process of tying it up when I came and we had a little come to Jesus meeting there. And so I got him there and I got him into the, gently into the back of the car and that kind of thing. And, And as soon as I put him in there, you know what he did? He called and he filed a complaint and said this. He said, uh, the audacity of him to prevent me from providing for my children. My children are poor and underfed and this and that and the other. And it's just my way of making a living at somebody else's expense. Now think about how ludicrous that is. And of course it was unfounded and it's ridiculous and all that kind of a deal. And he wound up going to prison. He was a professional burglar. That's how he made his living. And I was interrupting that. The audacity of blaming me, because if he hadn't have broken into the house, I'd have never gotten the call and he'd have never gone to jail. Does that make sense to you? Can we now make an application spiritually? Some of the situations that you're in, you're in because you left the Lord out of your decision. And for you to turn around, isn't that what you do? Don't you do what Mary did? Lord, why'd you do this to me? Lord, why? Lord, this is your fault. Okay. Gotcha. You're no different than Mary. You know what it indicates? It indicates you're not a believer in Romans 8.28. And it indicates that the Lord's not the director of your steps. And it indicates in spite of trouble and trials and difficulties and surprises along the way, and God says, I know what's best for you. And God, through His permissive will, allows things to happen that are inconvenient and hurtful. Lord, how could you do this to us? We've been in travail searching for you in much sorrow. Okay, well, I thought you said you loved me and you wanted to let me take control of your life. I thought you said that your life was not your own. You were bought with a price and that I could do with you whatever you wanted. You know what the Apostle Paul says? The Apostle Paul over there in 2 Corinthians 11, you know what he says? And talking about preachers and stuff and all the things that he went through there, he comes down to the end of that passage. You know what he says? And in spite of all these things, yeah. the care of all the churches. Yeah. You know what I know when that care gets heavy? Like Wednesday night, some of you picked up on it. You prayed and I appreciate it. Yeah. Didn't go unnoticed. Burden gets heavy. Real heavy. Yeah. What's happened? I can't tell you. 
But I can tell you it's real. The care of all the churches. You say, what happened? I don't leave the church. I get closer to it. More time in prayer, more time in the book, more time in preaching. You say, well, why? Uh, I realize I don't want to lose something in times of pressure and distress. Get in a hurry with my own agenda and what needs to get going, you know, before long. What I want to do clouds what needs to be done. I lose focus. Well, preacher, you know, nobody ought to be bearing that. Oh, okay, I'm not complaining. Do you understand? Paul said, I, I got that burden. Here's what I'm here to ask you. This Christmas, have you forgotten somebody? Have you, have you just unplugged and don't even realize it? You're so busy with things that you haven't taken the time to sit back. I mean, 10 minutes and just go, you know something? I think I'm maybe a little ahead of it. Maybe I need to, maybe I need to go back before I get gone too far. That prodigal was already headed toward the far country long before his body matched his mind. You say, what do you need to do? Stop before the body matches the mind. And use this as an opportunity to go, man, if it could happen to the most unlikely people in the most unlikely place, maybe I better pause if God took the time to put that in the Bible. Why do you think he put it? Just a historical reference? Or do you think maybe he said, hey, church, in the days of Laodicea, what excuse do you think will play out at the judgment seat, ladies and gentlemen? Preacher, I was working. Preacher, I was busy. Preacher, I was trying to make a living. Preacher, I got people I don't care for. People I don't like. Preacher, I have... What, 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 what excuse do you think will hold up at the, as a justifiable excuse at the judgment seat? You get to give an answer. Well, preacher, I'm just getting old. I'm just getting tired. You know, preacher, I've been in church all my... I, just write it down. And put it in your pocket. And then at the rapture, oh, preacher, I just had health issues. Okay, if that's, if that's what yours is, that's fine. Put it down. But can I ask you a question? Have you lost him? you forgotten somebody? The time of year that we as Bible believers do our best to try to make it about him, isn't the Lord screaming at you, it'd be nice if you did make it about me, but not just on one day out of the year might be a good time to have a revival meeting between you and him. Heads are bowed tonight.